0: 2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is A Lot To Talk About. All right, g'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About, more specifically, another episode of The Three Mates. Love these conversations, love the two incredible men that I get to film these episodes with. So on my left, um, the man they call Joey the Zoolander Plum. On my right, the man they call Ty Foony Groove. How are we, lads? Doing good, happy
1: to be here. Yeah, doing good, doing really good. This one's um, come around a little bit quicker than than the others, so we're just chatting um, and saying that there's going to be a little bit more flow and less, I guess, structure to our um, our homework, but I'm looking forward to, get, to digging deep into this topic and just seeing what comes up.
0: Well, I think you challenged um, the recording frequency last time where you said you feel like we'd been a little bit more stretched out, and I thought... That's a fair call. I feel like we were a bit stretched out and I enjoy these conversations not even from the standpoint of like we say putting them out but for me these conversations are always super valuable and you know heading away to Melbourne most of this week and getting back with a few things locked in for that couple of days as soon as I'm back and I thought I don't want to leave it like another week and a half two weeks Mm. between these conversations and I also like making it almost like the third episode that comes out in that monthly schedule so Hopefully, we can fulfill that today with our topic of conversation being dreams. Now, not dreams in the sense of tell us your scariest ones or your nightmares or maybe your creepy ones, but the dreams we have for ourselves, for our futures, you know, the goals that we've set up for ourselves, and this feels like a big chat, and it's going to be different for all of us because... We all do different things, have different ideas of what we want our future to look like Mm -hmm. and so it's going to feel very personal and with that we have the homework as we do every week but the homework like we said has become quite intuitive right and I guess that will iron itself out. So the task that was set for this week's episode was to define a dream or a goal that you see for your future and then to identify a challenge or something that makes the idea of achieving that dream or goal quite challenging for you and... So, lads, I guess we'll, um, we'll toss the the coin and see toss who the wants the to and see keep it off. Ferns, well, well, um, do you want to lead first. Power move. So Might so I say, looking quite relaxed after a night in Bolengolo State Forest. Very nice. Um, be
2: in bed for ten hours. It's
0: campfire. 10 hours. I like it. So I'm interested
1: to see where you take this. I did my wait, hand. wait a minute! Wait a minute! Before we started this pod, you said you were unprepared. He's got his notepad. <laughs> he's got his. He's sifting through the pages. <laughs> There's some equations in there. By the
0: I've looks got, of it,
1: I've got ten percent battery and half <laughs> half an Apple's note. R- no, I
2: started started doing it this morning, and then when it got to the part where like what's stopping me or challenging me from getting to my goals, that's the bit that I haven't like figured out yet. I think it's more like a working progress yeah, sort okay. of thing. So I sat down to do it and then I was like trying to work out what areas I want to focus on whether it be life, um, fitness, whatever it might be, work and then come across a quote from Jeff Bezos the other week who's talking about work-life balance and he hates the concept of work-life balance, he prefers work-life harmony.
0: Ooh, like that. That's a nice word.
2: Yeah, like why can't they work together? So he's saying like, when he's at work, everyone at work knows what's going on with his family. Say if he's got his kids graduating or there's a wedding or something that he's got to go on, everyone at work knows what's happening at home and vice versa. Everyone at home knows what's happening at work. So it feels like he never has to compromise, like everyone's kind of all, all intertwined in a perfect harmony. Yeah, okay. I think the only way to get to that point would be to have just really good communication, open communication with the people you work with and then obviously your
0: family at home. Mm. Do you think that's a, before you dive into it, that thought is quite intriguing and it feels very left of center to what most people would approach you know their their life like because I know a lot of people say don't bring your work home with you right and you know leave work at work and and come home and just be present and also leave the challenges of home at home and go to work and do your job but does that create a a drift or I guess a does it create a separation between thinking that we can actually enjoy and make the most of our work if we leave all of home at home and well, and don't, don't ever think, bring work I don't back think with Bezos us?
2: Bezos goes to work and talks about it. he's like, oh, boys, I think I might divorce my wife soon. I don't think like, <laughs> there's a, a line between it, but I think just the the open communication between. I don't think it has to be black and white but when you walk straight home from work. Like you can talk about your day or what mm. challenges you do have at work, but probably don't bring the stress of work home. But being able to talk about it openly and honestly, I think it's probably a skill.
0: Well, I guess I, I look at the three of us and at the moment we've all, there's like an entrepreneurial style to the way that we all work, right? Like you started your own company, you started your own business, I'm doing my own thing run by my own desire of structure and the way I want to set things up. So that feels probably more natural than maybe it would for most who go to an office, work, have colleagues, come home and it's very separate do you find it easier to to identify the idea of how harmony would look for you
2: um well that's why i was thinking about it a bit here but i think um well for me when i just heard like the work-life balance i was like (coughs) what is my ideal goal for work and what is my ideal goal for life so they were the two things that i focused on in terms of like sculpting goals around or dreams around so well this is actually another conversation i wrote my dreams down what they were on my goals and then what was impeding them was i had this conversation with my psych like a week ago is think on like a spectrum on one end you've got like independence and the other end you've got like connection or like family or friends or something like that and i've always i think i have a limiting belief going both ways on the spectrum so i'll explain well this is like what i was thinking about in my head it makes sense but i'm gonna this is like what i want to try to so to be an entrepreneur or to achieve, achieve any goal in life, I think you have to be fiercely independent and almost like selfish to a, um, to a certain degree. But then to have any fulfillment as a human in life, I think you need to have like connection, family, friends, all those sort of things. And I don't think it's like where I, I think I'm stuck somewhere in the middle where it's like I need to, I think you need to be able to do both of them at any given time. Like I think you need to be fiercely selfish to achieve a goal. But then also, if you want to have friends, family, then you need the connection as well. So when we did the podcast around limiting beliefs, one of the limiting beliefs I have, like in my head, I think of myself as a lone wolf. So instead of say potentially like socializing or doing something instead of working on my business or asking for help, even in my business, I'll just do it myself. That's I just grew up in an environment where that was that was just how I got through. But then, so that's a limiting belief going from. if I am being too independent and I need connection or help I have a limiting belief that's stopping me go that way but then I also have a limiting belief going back the other way because sometimes I will be say in my early 20s I was overly social because I didn't want to spend time with myself Mm. so I think when I do need to be independent I I still it's still difficult for me to sit by myself with my own thoughts so I distract myself so I think there's like two limiting beliefs going each way and I'm kind of stuck in the middle in no man's land where I think to be successful at work and life you need to be both fiercely independent and have good connection skills with humans but time. this is like what I'm trying to iron out in my head now like I don't know if that made sense or not it
0: did and the thing that come to front of mind was a clip I seen maybe an hour or two ago as I was scrolling through Insta Tell me whether this makes any sense to you, because it definitely feels relevant to what you said from my perspective, but it was Jay Shetty and he was quoting someone, I can't remember who, but he said that when we think of the idea of being alone as human beings, we forget there's actually two parts to being alone. The thing that we often go straight to when we hear that word alone is the feeling of loneliness And like loneliness can be quite negatively associated and is quite negatively associated for many people. He said, but this other second word that we often forget when we consider the idea of being alone is solitude. And he said, solitude is more consistently defined as a strength, the ability to be by yourself, to be self-sufficient, to thrive in your own company and to not need necessarily anyone all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that... That's a hard balance though, isn't it? Because I've been I've been sometimes I've gone when I've struggled with the idea of oh, not being able to maintain all of the social connections, I lean too hard into solitude and pull myself away. But I think it's finding the balance between.
2: You need to be an expert in both and then have the self awareness to know that which trigger you gotta pull at any time.
0: Because it's fair to say that I don't think any goal of super relevance or or anything that you try to achieve in your life that's really meaningful you shouldn't have to feel as though you need to do it alone
2: mm. right it one of the limiting beliefs that we did from episode one or two i can't remember what it was but that was you know, something like in my head just i never felt like i had help as a kid so i just like that's my mentality is i just do it myself but you can only go so far before you need help or like no one's ever done anything of substance or greatness that's just been purely by themselves. Like you yeah. need help at some point. I um
1: yeah I agree with that. And I think like in the nature of my work, self-employed, really like a service for hire. You're hiring me as the the cinematographer to come and shoot your project. Me as a director to come and direct your project. Um, I've found the emphasis on collaboration to be super important as I've gone through the last few years especially but like the the scale of my projects has increased um because that one man band was like a little bit of a badge of honor where it's like oh you know i can shoot edit um direct it pre-produce it like i'll just get it done because i don't really want to delegate responsibility because i don't really trust that anyone's going to have the same um i guess passion for the project or like competency as i would which is just is not true and then I've realized as you scale up and you get higher to want to do it by yourself doesn't only take away from the quality of the product, but it also is just fucking hard. <laughs> like it's like you can't do it all and actually enjoy it all, you know? And it gets to this point where I really enjoy collaborating with people now and bringing people on, but valuing their skill sets And then finding the right tribe or team that complements one another where it's like, well, you're really technically minded. Let's get you doing this thing. Um, And you have a really good eye for interior decorating. Let's get you on as as stylist um, and art department. Like, if that's not my strength, give it to someone else. Mm. So it has been, I guess, an evolution for me as well, Foons, from being this like, let me just reap all the benefits because I'm also responsible for it all. Like, let's just let it be mine. I'll hustle it out for me and then I'll get all of the glory um, to going, let's find like the the power of proximity, have a bunch of people that we're all into the same stuff, whether it's like what we're doing, we're into the, the idea of bettering ourselves and individually where we're, we've got our own strengths, but we're still in a group that is progressing and pushing each other and that to me is where it starts to look like work life harmony because your work my work is my life I don't really separate like when I'm doing work and when I'm not doing work because my work fulfills me Mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful for the space I mean I'm like my work is my life so then if my life looks like I'm surrounded by people I work with they're also my friends because we're in the same space we're interested in the same stuff Mm -hmm. we're trying better better each other Um, you know, and to use a really shitty analogy, the idea of like a an influencer house or a TikToker house, you know, you think all these people that move to LA and then they share house and they all make content together, you think one of them's gonna be as successful by themselves or gonna be more successful by themselves versus whether versus if they're in the house with 15 other people? all pushing the same dream, the same goal train and they're collaborating and I'm co-signing them and they're co-signing me and mm. we're doing features with each other and, and I'm getting exposed to your audience. You're getting exposed to my audience. So this idea of collaboration, whether it is like collaboration versus competition, I feel like is this um, kind of the next step as we move through and the lone wolf mentality kind of becomes redundant because the lone wolf just gets left behind. It's like, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go, go together. together. Like, and I, I think that rings super true in my industry at least. Um,
2: I think I just got to the glass ceiling where I can't go any further myself. I can. I'm at the level now where I can't ignore it anymore. Yeah. So it's out of necessity, which is good.
0: Mm. Mm. It's funny because you look at you know I, that was a great analogy to make me think about someone like Drake. Mm. Like you look at a guy like Drake, arguably one of the greatest artists of the last so however many decades he's been doing this for and you're like dude still collaborates with a couple of people on every album
1: because that's a blueprint yeah feature 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 Mm. get people on my stuff i'll jump on your stuff like that way everyone eats for sure like yeah the idea of competition versus collaboration um (laughs) like really there's enough to go around but when we're all fighting for the, the one slice we'll kill each other for one slice but Together, we can just bake a new cake, you know? <laughs> like, For sure. And then everyone's eating. <laughs>
2: I think that's like new school business mentality is more collaboration as opposed to like competition. Yeah, think like about, dominate uh, is the old like yeah. 90s think about idea. Um, Put your foot it, like, on the throat. Where like the news channels are like cutthroat, like they hate each other. It's even like, even like Channel 7 and Channel 9 kind of hate each other now. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that old school of business where it's like, I can only win if you lose. Mm. I think now... As technology evolves, society evolves, there's a lot more to go around.
1: Well, we were even talking about it. Brad and I went on a, a walk this morning. The idea that, like, there's a lot of podcasts out, but you look at people like Rogan, and whilst he doesn't go on many other people's podcasts, everyone collaborates on pods. It's like you go on mine, I go on yours. So it really does feel like this new school mentality where it's like there's so many podcasts out. Um, so everyone, obviously, you need to have a point of difference. But the audience isn't like, oh, no, I'm only team Rogan. Like, I'll only listen to Rogan because fuck the other guys. It's like, I'll listen to Rogan and I'll li- listen to a bit of Schultz and I'll listen to a bit of Huberman. And I'll listen to a bit of... Like, the audience right now, we just want good product. They just want value, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, how do, you, how do you feel like these thoughts have manifested into a particular... Goal um,
2: well, I wrote the goals first and then this was like the thought that I've been thinking about that I wanted to speak about here because I haven't like figured it out myself but I didn't even know if it was going to make sense. But I heard a quote from Chris Williamson the other week and it was on like male depression. But well, he says, male depression is treated like female de- depression. Men are made to feel loved and accepted when all they want to do is feel capable and powerful. I was like, you could almost substitute like um, instead of depression, like men need goals or like something bigger to aspire to. To use the example of like World War II in England when that uh, England had sent all their soldiers away and I think Germany attacked them and those people mm. in these psychiatric wards that had been depressed and in bed for five years, hadn't spoken to anyone or anything, and then as soon as they needed people to drive the ambulances, fire trucks, these men come alive. And it mm. finishes with a quote that says, Give a man a purpose and the ability to achieve to achieve it and he will crawl over broken glass with a smile.
0: I heard this story too and I thought it was so moving.
2: run through a wall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The glass, not so much. I'm not going to crawl over broken glass, but I'll run
1: through a (laughs) rock wall right
0: now. (laughs) It makes me think about our conversation on masculinity and femininity. And we spoke about the the definition of masculinity, which most men or a, a high majority of men tend to associate being more masculine than feminine. And, you know, a big part of the masculine energy was action-oriented, you know, the action to want to provide, achieve and thrive and move towards something of meaning. And so that there speaks to that, right?
2: Oh, definitely. Because even like, I think myself, when I was writing my goals, I think like the last two years have probably been feeling too much in the sense that like, I let my emotions dictate my actions too much or they have too much sway over me. And I think... For myself, anyway, like setting a big goal and going after it, and just knowing that some days is going to be shit and some days going to be good, and there's not much you can do about it. That's just like being human. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to have enough self-awareness to know that the goal that you're going after is authentic to you. So I can use like the example of like the 50-year-old finally becomes a CEO of like a big corporation, but then he's been through two divorces. Um, his family doesn't like him, and then he gets to the CEO position, and then he's like, I didn't even fucking want this position. Now my family hates me. Like his life's in like shambles. So I think having enough self-awareness to know that the goal that you're going after is authentic to you, but then just knowing that some days are going to be good and some days are going to be shit, and as a man, you've got to push through it.
0: And I, I think that self-awareness is a harder skill than people realise. To know that... Because this is something that has been on the top of my mind lately, right? When you talk about the idea of a goal or a dream and you're moving towards it and you've dedicated so much of your time and energy and who you are to it... <clears throat> You hear it so consistently that people achieve something that they've set their sights on for years and it feels so empty.
2: My two cents would be that that dream or goal has been driven by insecurities and then when they get it, they're like, shit, this is not what I thought it For be. sure.
0: Or driven by something that you think will make... Other people see value in you, something you've not even questioned whether it means something to you. Which do call that? An insecurity, insecurity. <laughs> insecurity. But also, just I think sometimes what other people have described as being meaningful for them, and you that's just the, think, well, that must feel meaningful for everyone.
2: The house with the picket fence.
0: Yeah, for sure. Or you know, even the other day I spoke to an incredible lady who's one of the biggest speakers in Australia, and I associated as someone who speaks on stage and wants to do more of that it's like, oh, that's a massive goal for me to be like a really successful speaker however you define success for me to be on stage providing value for people is how I deem it successful but I want to do that a lot of times per year but she described her life as being quite inconsistent in the sense that she's on a plane a couple times a week and never really home and I'm kind of like well I want to speak enough that I can provide value but I also don't want to fly out of home two three times a week because I quite enjoy waking up in my really cozy bed next to the person I love, going for a run down at the beach that I love, swimming, having a coffee with you boys. So I want to speak a fair bit, but not so much that it takes me away from the consistency of that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's realizing that the dream, one of the, I guess, the, the ideas for me that I've had to change is that the dream doesn't have to happen in isolation. It can happen in collaboration with other things. And so the dream doesn't just have to look like that. Maybe that's only part of the picture, you know. I like that. So that, that for me has been one of the challenges, but, but carry on, yeah.
2: So I just set two goals, one for work and one for life. So the short-term focus where I'm at with my business now, being an alcohol business, I kind of didn't fall into this, but I think this is how my life's gone been given the opportunity where i can see stuff that maybe other people don't see like i've spent a lot of time partying i lived in america for six months where i can see their market trends are slightly different to ours and i can just have a clear vision of this product in my head working at full scale so my goal i don't haven't set a timeline for this because i'm going after it and i don't care i'm way too far far past the point of no return is to be the wolf of wine street (laughs) (laughs) i like it is thought you like that did one. You,
1: is it an exclusive? You get a patent that name or something, dude. It's got I a mean, ring to it.
2: Like, I don't think my purpose in life is to sell budget alcohol, but if it is, I'm going to do it better than anyone else. But I think Gunez is going to be a stepping stone for me into something else. I don't know what that something else is. But remember when we did that, when we went away for the weekend we had that game, it was like, if I had to do it, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it was something along the lines of, like, if I had to speak about a topic or do a keynote, what would it be? I think you might have said, Joey, like, maybe that wasn't the question. It was something like I could help younger boys in a similar situation or something like that. Mm. That's, like, something I have definitely thought about. I don't know where I'll go into, but, like, that's something that I think I could be passionate about. Why I do have a passion for it. I just don't have the the platform right yet, but I think Gune will be a stepping stone into something along those lines I don't know yet. Mm. Yeah, I love
0: that. And so when you talk about the Wolf of Wine Street, do you think Gune is a stepping stone into, do you mean... Doing more within the alcohol industry and using that platform to help the people who are partly customers, but also people on similar journeys to you. Uh, or I think is it Gune
2: is just going to be an entertainment hub or platform or a product? I don't think you can really mix alcohol and mental health. I think yeah, they're that was my <laughs> question. Oil and water, but, questionable. Um, I think Gune is just to entertain, like a product that I want to bring people together. That's cheap, affordable, tastes good. Like have fun with your mates, kind of product. I think if I was going to do something helping people, it'd be in a different, a different platform okay. or a different portal. I don't think those two really go together. I can't see them working. Um, so yeah, in terms of like a massive dream or a massive purpose, I don't actually know what that's going to be yet. I just know that's what's right in front of me, lights me on fire. It's like I feel like the version that I have to be to make Gune successful is like currently it's always 10 percent better than the version that i am Mm. it's like Mm. it's challenging me in a way that's good it's not like i'm not chasing something that's like unattainable it's like something's pulling me in the right direction it's making me better
1: i was gonna use that word it's like the idea of chasing something has this forceful connotation where it's just like you're trying to chase it down and it's exhausting but when you have something that um is pulling you or you know, to use a more woo-woo term, like is co- you're you're being called to it. it. It's motivating. It's inspiring. And like you said, you you want to run through a wall, and you you want to do as much as you can. But it's just still you you're not there yet, and it's pulling you. It's pulling you. I feel like that's a really healthy way to um to, I guess, identify with your dreams, is to check in and organically go like. When I think, if I even have the the courage to dream, right? Because a lot of people don't even have the courage or the ability to dream. You know, we lose that as we get into adulthood and the world proves to us that, you know, just nothing's going to work out for you and life's hard and all that bullshit that, that people start to kind of feed into. If you have the courage to actually dream and then what we've done, like write the dream down, how does it feel? Is it organically pulling you and you're like, yes, I can't wait to go towards that that life or is it like, that seems like it's going to be fucking exhausting because I know that's that's my dad's dream. He wants me to be a doctor or that's my, you know, that's not really my dream. I just know that it's it's something that I've got to do because it'll be accepted socially. That doesn't sound like it's pulling. You're just chasing down this thing that like... It's almost ticking the box. Ticking the box and at what point are you going to realise... I feel like, yeah, it inspired me the way you describe that. You know, it's pulling you. It's 10%. It's always just like 10%. How did you word it? The version you need to be in order to to achieve or reach the dream is already always 10% better than where you are now. So it's like this. I'm going to keep pushing (laughs) to get 10% better.
2: I can smell it, but I can't quite taste it. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's almost there. But It's like whether Guna is successful or not, it's making me a better person generally. So it's a win-win.
1: Yeah, That's for a sure.
2: Way
0: to look at it. I think it's also the the thing that comes to the front of my mind when we talk about this topic, and we talk about the idea of you know you just said there, phones, whether Gouiné is successful, or you spoke there, Joey, about like the idea of the pool of the dream or the way it's calling you. The thing that I'm really thinking about when I when this topic comes to front of mind for me is you know i spoke before about the way that you paint the picture of your dream like how much of the dream does the flashy part have to be because this is my this is my thing right so no matter what you do there's going to be shit like you said foons that isn't enjoyable and doesn't evoke happiness and causes some stress and causes some frustration confusion because that's life right like i think lately listening to a bit of ryan holiday and he talks a lot about the stoics he talks about marcus aurelius former roman emperor who sometimes could use the philosophy or the the readings or the tablets back then as a vice to escape the daily tasks that were a little bit mundane a little bit frustrating and not all that fun yeah (laughs) like he he used that as a vice because he didn't really feel as though he wanted to go and do the things that he had to do every day Enough. Yeah. So my thing is like, the dream, does it have to be the whole picture or can it just be part of the picture? And that's what I'm maybe coming to terms with. Like, yeah, all of it has meaning, but is Gune, is the success of it, does it have to be monumental or can it be like a part of your life? And then there's other things too.
2: The nature of the alcohol industry, it's kind of like a fly or die operation. There's no really middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either a $10 million business or it's zero.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I just, I think, I guess I'll dive into it more when I talk the way that I thought about this, but it's, it feels like a really challenging topic I can imagine for a lot of people because, you know, just saying I said to Joey this morning when we're walking, a guy who I really enjoy listening to, Scott Galloway, talk about, how really it's only 1% of the population who get to succeed at jobs that are very creative or very passion driven. The other 99% of people have to survive in jobs that can look and sound quite mundane from the outside. It doesn't mean that their life is meaningless or their life is boring or that they're not living their own version of the dream. It's just that the nine to five hours of their day aren't exactly the picture they've painted of the dream, but maybe they're five to nine when they're at home with the kids or they're out playing social sport with their friends. Is like that's the thing that sets their soul on fire and the, that's the thing that adds a real element of excitement to their life. I think I, whilst I want to encourage people to dream and I would encourage you guys as I always do to dream and I definitely myself am a massive dreamer, realising that there's still an element of like, pain and realism and, and challenge in everyone's picture.
2: I can't remember, I heard this, someone talking about it, that going after your dreams like that, like 95% of the stuff that you're going to do is going to suck and the 5% that, you, that is good, you have to like it so much that so it's going to counteract all the 95% of the shit that mm. you have to
0: do. Well, I heard I heard this in a training context. It was a professional running coach who was talking about, I think he called it the um, the theory of thirds. Or something like that and it's anytime you're training to do something or preparing to do something of any significance in the athletic world you know one-third of your training feels like it fucking sucks it just doesn't feel like it's there you feel like you're below par you feel really average when you're doing it one-third of it is like that's okay I'm at maybe like 70 to 80 percent and then there's a third that like you're flying you're on top of like your performance you feel like you're on top of the moon everything feels good and it's almost like i think it was called the rule of thirds and maybe it's the same in life like one third of it is blissful and sweet and beautiful and everything you've painted is the picture in your head one third is a little bit mundane but it's it's okay and then a third of it is the struggle and the pain and the stuff that requires real grit and resilience and that makes the other stuff more beautiful
1: mm.
2: My ninety-five percent theory is a bit pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, either way you see it, right? I think it's um, you know, you can dive into meaning yeah, in so many ways. I think, I
2: think your course is so better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess it's just painting the picture that um, the the glitz and the glamour and the bliss isn't the majority. Mm. It's oftentimes the minority, and so you know when you say there, Foon's the ninety-five and five percent analogy, um, the idea that You need to have this dream that's so like like powerful that it will just carry you through the 95% shit the whole time. I think for me is a little bit of a fantasy and a little bit like um I I guess not the perspective I want to hold because you know find the grand dream and it'll carry you through the worst of worst times because it's all going to be worth it when you, you reach that dream. For me, I think the thing that's going to enable us to get to the point where we can actualize our dream and or be in a space where we're living our dream is shifting our perspective to enjoying the, the suck of the 99
0: 95, 99%. Fuck, he's gotten worse, 99% now. Yeah, <laughs> I stumbled through that sentence. That was tough.
1: But the perspective shift to go... I'm in it. I'm in the process of it. And we spoke about it this morning, Brad, that the dream is almost not as important as the process. And this isn't groundbreaking. This is stuff that I've been listening to that helps me change my perspective. But understanding that the, the fucking ninth and 10th reps where your legs want to die, mm. that's the process that's going to allow you to stand in the mirror and go, damn, I've got some, some strong legs. Big boy. You know, like, so if you're not able to smile at least internally in the shitty process, the grind or the tough or the mundane um, and be able to appreciate the process of the suck and the 95%, then I don't think this grand dream is just going to be able to sustain you. And it might be able to sustain you for some time, hmm. but then it's going to get to a point where it's like, like that's, that's a lot to endure for this, this hypothetical dream up in the pretty clouds. Sure, pretty sure they call that dancing in the rain. Dancing in yeah. the rain, yeah. And it is, it's a perspective. It's the perspective that it's like, I get to do this, you know, oh fuck, I've got to go to the gym so that I can achieve this strength goal. Instead God. of, I get to go to the gym and and fool around in this playground of equipment and and like move like an a mammal the mammal that i am like the perspective you know the perspective change allows you to go through the exact same behavior the exact same exercise the exact same process but just have uh an association with it that isn't so exhausting because how long can you sustain that for
2: rogan talking about that he said i can't be happy unless i'm struggling doing something yeah so that's whether it's his training or i think his, his job looks from the outside like it's probably one of the best jobs you could have in the world. Mm. He says, I need to be struggling, like, trying to attain a goal, otherwise I can't be happy, which I think is almost like utopia theory, like, if you have everything you ever wanted, Mm. I don't think you would be happy.
0: It wouldn't mean anything, right? Talk to us about that personal goal, that life
2: goal. So, life goal for me is (laughs) pretty simple. I was like, I just want to eventually have a family, and in that family is a home, and we just communicate openly and honestly. Like, I grew up in a home where there was no communication at all, and sucked. So mm. when I have kids, I just want to have a an open, honest, communicating, happy home. And then if I work backwards from that, right now if I break my life down into myself, family, friends, and then relationship. I think everything's good so far working towards that except relationship. So that's something that I do need to work on. But then it's like sometimes in my head when I think about like dating, in my head sometimes like it comes at like the detriment of Gune, and then I'm just not as motivated. It's like something I need to work work around of how I can get those to work in harmony because it almost feels like they're polar opposites at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like one comes at the detriment to the other. Yeah, like something I do need to work on. I don't have the answer for that now, but something I do have to work on.
1: I uh, yeah I uh, I think like you said if if you're doing if you're pursuing one dream at the sacrifice of other aspects of your life which you also value the success or the pinnacle of Gune, like what does that actually provide you? Like to ask yourself, what am I actually, what do I want to achieve? Because I'd argue that most of the time we have these dreams, whether they're like monetary goals or they're, you know, we, we need to acquire these things. What do we receive when we get those things? It's a feeling. Whether it's the feeling of, status and then we want the feeling of status so that we feel worthy and then we want to feel worthy because when we feel worthy we feel loved so it's like are we trying to get the feeling of worthiness and connection by sacrificing connection with you know in your example dating or whatever you know we replicate the issues that we're trying to avoid to get to a place that will give us this feeling That's like we spoke on, I think it was episode two or three. And that was a little bit confusing the way that came out. But the idea that, oh, you could be doing um, more, Joe, like with your work. I was like, well, one of my dreams is to be like free, financially free, have the freedom to create as I want, have the freedom to choose the opportunities I want to pursue. Mm. But if I'm so overworked and stressed and tired because I'm working so hard, I'm sacrificing all of the freedom... That I have now, by not working as hard, I've got what I want right now, you know. And that doesn't mean don't pursue your dreams, but it's also like be aware that what are you giving up to get to your dream? Because you might be giving up the things that you ultimately are trying to feel or, or achieve or, or, or like end up at. I want to feel loved. So in order to feel loved, I need to be the CEO of this company and push away everyone that wants to love me on the way up. You know it's like it doesn't make much sense because if you want to feel loved then you need to maybe align the way you get to your dream with the feeling
0: that you're trying to achieve i think there's an old parable that i've heard a couple times of you know the the ceo who like sacrifices the time with his family and you know his health and everything in the process to be a highly achieving ceo and then he gets to the position of rank that he's been seeking out for so long and sacrificing so much for and when he gets there he takes two weeks every year where he goes to Italy so that he can fish and just relax with his family and he meets this local fisherman from the village on the jetty every day as they're fishing on this trip and he casts his line out into the water one day and he says to the fisherman you know, do you do this every day? And he says, yes, I do do this every day and I have done for so long. And he goes, oh, well, aren't you lucky? He said, you know, I work 50 weeks of my year so that I can take two weeks to come here and fish and relax with my family. And he goes, and and what have you done to be able to do this every day? And the guy goes, well, I just catch enough fish to sell and support my family. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of like that thing that sometimes we think we need X and Y. And don't get me wrong, I'm so ambitious that I want to achieve things of real meaning in my career too. But I have to remind myself of that fact too, that like I said, if doing a hundred gigs a year means that I'm only home two days a week and I don't get to run and have coffee with mates and like wake up next to my partner, it doesn't mean what I thought it would mean anymore. Mm. It's just made me lesser who I wanted to be. And so it's that fine line, isn't it? But you don't really know until you're towing the line, Mm. whether you're too in on it or you're too far out of it. And it's, and it's hard to – it sounds almost rich to say don't go too all in on it because when you've got the pool and you can see where you want to go and, you know, the idea that you're not where you want to be yet, there's obviously that motivation and that desire and drive to get there. It's trying to just be probably like you said at the start, being self-aware enough to know where the line is.
1: And I think, like – I don't mind the idea of, of going all in on it, but it's getting clear enough with what you want to achieve because the idea of being in the competition of business and, and hustling and, and getting, getting it out of the mud into um, a successful space, that might just genuinely be something that makes you feel good. Mm. But if you're doing that in order to reach a space to feel good, then it's like, you know, that can be your almost like your hobby, the process of like wheeling deals and then losing deals and then winning deals back that can just be something that you enjoy doing but the same way that you mentioned the idea of having a, a safe family environment that has open communication in order for you to atri- achieve that dream you're not gonna stop talking to people you know <laughs> like you got to promote the things that will get you that feeling As I said, like- but it doesn't mean that you can't grind out um in the, at the same time because it's just, yeah, finding that point where it's like, wait, is this actually supporting my dream now? Or am I just like in a system, in a rat race, in an idea that I'm going in the right direction, but I'm actually just so like, in I the I feel suck.
2: like it requires a version of me that's constantly 10% better than I am. And that challenges me emotionally. And then my emotional bandwidth's kind of like gone. And then I'm like, I don't know, I just kind of like couldn't be bothered almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like. Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to get a better mindset around how I can manage both because they are both important to me.
0: And I would say that something I've experienced the last seven months having SOF is that I guess the, the fear that it's going to take away from what you're trying to achieve, for me it's only added to. Like it's, it's been someone to support me and someone to lean on and someone to bounce ideas off and, and I think the right person does that you
2: know yeah, yeah I agree well I'm watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary at the moment on <laughs> Netflix yeah I've read his book before and I remember I'm not up to the part yet but I've already read the book and it's like his dad passed away when he had Mr. Olympia on in like two weeks mm. or Mr. you know what yeah Mr. Olympia mm. he's like didn't even go to his dad's funeral he's like he's like he's dead what am I going to do damn like mm. I've got shit to do yeah I was like damn that's a man that's dedicated to a fucking goal
0: yeah yeah
2: like, can you be Michael Jordan? Can you be Arnold without that sacrifice, without that dedication?
0: Yeah. I heard Mike Tyson. What, what do you want? Yeah,
1: it's, it's what do you want. And then sometimes you hear even those people that are living the dream, in inverted quotes, um, they're living the dream, but all they want is just to be left alone and be able to go home to their family and just work a chill job and not have to do the media obligations and not have the weight of the world on their shoulders. So one, man dreams, one man's dream is another man's nightmare and vice versa. Vice versa. Um, well, you look at that. But yeah. um, MJ's last just dance. built different. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's just built different. So, but, you
0: l- but you look at Last Dance so and you'd argue that like, like for me personally, love the idea of achieving huge success like MJ did and credit to the guy. Not everyone can do that. And the very, very minor amount of people in the world have the ability to achieve something at that level but no one really sees him sitting in his hotel room smoking a cigar with no energy or even ability to leave the hotel room because what's on the outside of those doors what's out in public Mm. is something he's not willing to face to me i'm like that's not a life that i want to yeah do you want that yeah like personally no so it's it's like you said to it's it's that tough one of like when the dream has different parts to it. It's how do they all collaborate? How do they all exist in collaboration, not just isolation?
2: I just need to level up emotionally and just get better. Like it's they're gonna work eventually, so I know that's what I need to work on. So now I'm gonna put more effort and thought towards it. It's
0: mm. definitely a process. So you right. know, no doubt it takes courage and strength for all of us, if you don't mind. I might um please do take it. some courage and strength and dive into <laughs> My little bit as a segue.
1: of today's pod. Speaking of courage and strength, here's
0: my, here's my input. <laughs> Here we go. So I guess when I thought about this, I didn't really break it into the two segments that you did, Foons, but it kind of somewhat naturally was when I thought about it and the way that it looked. So I guess to kick it off, I really thought a lot about the topic of dreams and kind of as I've expressed throughout the course of the episode... Um, i've been thinking deeply about what the dream actually looks like even when it becomes a reality right and so there was a clip that really stood out for me that i heard the other day i um, jordan peterson who i know the three of us on the potter across a bit of his work and this really stood out to me as as what i guess you should be striving for at least i feel like i should be striving for in life he said It not obvious at all that we want happiness it isn't even obvious that we want absence of misery what is really obvious is that we want an adventure we want an adventure that is so compelling that it makes the misery of life not just justifiable but worthwhile and I guess that speaks to what we spoke about whether you believe it's the 5% the 33% or the 1% of life it is quite challenging and tough and requires the grit the resilience to overcome so that the other parts can be enjoyed and can be savored. It's the adventure, like is what gives life real meaning. And so when I think about my adventure and my dreams and, and the direction that I'm taking in my life, it's sort of come to me that like, it seems to me that, and this is just something I've written as I journaled through this today. I said, so it seems to me at least that the meaning of life is in the adventure, the process of loving, achieving, doing, being and so on and therefore my thinking is that our dreams aren't worthless if they aren't fulfilled to the degree in which we paint the picture of them in imagination but rather that they find meaning in the way that they we move towards them in our present reality and for me that was i've in my life so heavily associated myself with what you described to me today joey is that dreamer archetype Like I'm the guy who's always had a big dream for how his life would look and how life would play out. And I I never really could see myself in a position in which maybe society would define as average, where I wasn't doing something astounding or something that other people looked at. And maybe that's an ego thing. Maybe I just wanted to feel like I was super valuable and super worthy and that people looked at me and thought, oh, wow, that's amazing what he's achieved. And maybe part of that has being quite healthy because it's creating something of substance when I sit down to do a podcast and it's given me the courage to go and step on stage and actually start things that for me have, have been really enjoyable and given me a lot of meaning in life. But now the challenge for me is that, and I almost think that this is the challenge for our society is that if you identify solely with this dreamer archetype that we can rob ourselves of actually realizing and enjoying the beauty of the process so like it, it can be for me at times I've gone well I can't be happy and in a normal job mm. what have you define as normal I can't be happy and not on stage in front of thousands of people or not with a charitable podcast and then on the other end of the spectrum it's like the challenges will in realizing that Don't be so cynical that everything has to be super realistic and that you can't dream at all. So where's the middle ground? Like where's that ground in understanding that it's healthy to be a dreamer, that it's healthy to have big dreams and lofty goals and things to strive for and move towards. Mm. But don't wrap yourself up in the outcome. You know, and it's that Rich Devini quote I think I shared a couple of weeks ago on the pod of be resolute in the outcome but flexible in the approach and for me the flexibility is the challenge like i when i think about what my dream actually looks like the picture that continually has been coming to my head over the last couple of months and specifically the last like 3 days that i've been mulling over this topic for the pod is the idea of you know so let's say it's a friday and i'm up and i'm on stage in front of A couple thousand people and I'm sharing vulnerable honest story about my life and the crowd has moved and someone in the crowd says you know you've inspired me to have the resilience and show up resiliently to overcome my chronic illness or my CF or whatever it may be in my life that's challenging me and for me that feels meaningful and and maybe it's a similar style message that I get because the podcast is kicking real goals and so for me I a big part of the dream is being a valuable storyteller the ability to uplift and inspire hope in others through story, whether it be in my own or someone that I'm interviewing. But then the other huge part of my dream, which is the part that has been at the front of my mind for the last couple months, is the idea of waking up on, you know, let's say it's a Saturday morning and rolling over and kissing and soap And then a couple of little kitties screaming through the door of the room and jumping into bed and sitting there and they're like, they're our humans, we've created them. And then it's like, well, it's Saturday sport. Now I get to go watch them do what I love doing as a, as a kid. And so for me, that is, it almost sounds like we said this morning, like two polar opposites. The super successful storyteller who gives a huge part of his life to that, but also the guy who can take everything that feels so meaningful on stage and, and give it wholeheartedly to the people immediately in his home so that they get the most out of their life and that they can grow up and and go and do good in the world. And so for me, that is probably the thing that feels the most valuable because that that thing there for me, family, those immediate people are the reason I am who I am. So for me, I can't ignore that part of the dream. And it's a part of the dream that gets me so excited. Mm. And so I'm like, how do I ensure that all of that exists in collaboration, not isolation.
2: When you think about your life as a whole. When the kids leave the house, you're still going to have probably have that burning desire to be a storyteller if it wasn't fulfilled when you were younger.
0: For sure, and so that for me is is the challenge of now, and I guess to be super vulnerable with everyone who's listening because you will hear this likely before many others. The challenge for me has been in chasing my dreams this last three and a half years, leaving sustainable work, leaving a career, leaving money. Which money I've learnt can't be my driving force because it's not healthy for me personally. But it's still necessary because to put food on the table, to keep a roof over your head, to be able to live life and, and frankly, even have the opportunities to do this stuff because, man, these microphones aren't cheap. And, yeah, you know?
2: In my pop's eulogy, I had a quote My pop was very driven by money. And then when he passed away, he's like, Money's not everything, but try to live without it. Well, money's not everything, but you can't live without it.
0: And that's the thing. So for me,' it's it's been this learning process the last three and a half years, which has been really valuable, but learning that will to continue to sustainably move towards my dreams, there needs to be something that provides me with income. And maybe it's not the podcast right now and maybe it's not immediately a heap of speaking gigs, but there has to be something sustainable. So I've had to go, okay, well, maybe I've had a limiting mindset that this dream needs to exist in isolation and that I had to work out the way that I painted the picture in my imagination. And so I've taken an opportunity to go back and sell some real estate. And thankfully, those people who I've you know, built trust with over years have said, we want to make sure that you can continue to achieve your dreams at the same time. And so I have the flexibility to go and do the gigs and to keep the podcast moving. And that was... You know, the important thing for me, that was the, it wasn't going to be a matter of if or, it was going to be a matter of end. And so being able to do it all in collaboration. But I think for me, I look back on where I was previously just working and I had this idea that I couldn't be happy if my dreams didn't happen the way that I pictured them or planned for them to happen. So that's been the big challenge for me, understanding that on one hand, you can be realistic and sustainable but still be super driven to achieve what for you feels really meaningful. And maybe for some people they'd question is out of reach. Mm. And I don't think that you should be discouraged by the fact that it doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to. You know, I think you should be encouraged by the fact that well, if you're still here and the dream still means something to you. Enjoy the process of getting there. Yeah. I think
1: the, it was so interesting when you told me that you were going back to real estate because it was, um as the picture's been painted, this dark part of your life where you were pursuing real estate as the thing, you know? You were gonna be the most successful real estate agent and you were moved to Melbourne, but at the same time it was just scarred with so much like misery for you. Mm. And to hear you say, you know, I'm going at, I'm I'm at, I'm at a place where I'm going to be going back to real estate and then I asked you, so you're the, the limiting belief that you addressed in one of our previous episodes I think has been super valuable for you because I asked you like what's different now about going back to real estate to try to make a buck and it's your perspective mm. because you now don't have the perspective that I've failed at my dream I'm running back to ultimately the only means that I have to, to make money and it's in the absence of me pursuing my dream you're now seeing it as an opportunity to help facilitate and support your dream but also like you said taking the sexy out of it that just because you're going back to real estate and it's not the sexy rags to riches i sold everything and now i'm at the top of the podcast you know you're allowed to be in a space that is is less sexy you know taking opportunities as they're presented to allow you to continue to move forward because we can be the dreamer that lives in the clouds but then you can also be delusional and broke and and like do you know what I mean and so the dreamer I'm, I'm so glad that you haven't um removed the dreamer from the I guess the equation of you going back to real estate and it's not a step back it's it's a step um you're still going towards the dream yeah it's a pivot it's a pivot a pivot
0: the thing that stood out for me and it it's funny how the i seem to think that when i come to a crossroads in life or when i come to the point in which i have to make a big decision or even in this case in the wake of making the decision to go back and feeling really good about it a beautiful podcast episode popped up that i just so happened to click on and listen to because i was interested in the host jay shetty and the guest rick rubin that just delivered me with the most perfect message for this point in my in my life and this point of time and rick rubin for those who don't know is a legendary producer in the music space i think anyone who's in the music world or or even just enjoys the music world would know rick for some of the incredible work and artists that he's worked with and he seems as though he he looks as almost this wise guru man the long gray beard the crazy weird hair who meditates and is super mindful and and, you know, he, he delivered some absolute bars and, and lived up to the hype in this episode. And the one thing that sort of really stood out to me was, he said, your purpose in life isn't always related to your job, which we spoke about on the last episode of the pod, right, where I address purpose. He said, if you need to have a job to support yourself, that's great. It's a noble thing to do, but follow your dreams at the same time. And then he said, they don't have to be one thing, dreams and jobs. Don't let following your dreams undermine your ability to support yourself. And he spoke about how when you are so stressed, when you are like absolutely drained of all your energy and sustainable energy in the process of trying to achieve a dream, it actually takes so much of your creativity and your energy and your ability from you. Because when your stress is well, how do I make this work for me? Like how does this, for me, the headspace of the last couple months, the, the next speaking gig has to change my life because I can't continue to live the way that I'm living or the next podcast or guest appearance has to change the trajectory of my life. That's a stressful place to operate from. And so for me going, ah, oh, the podcast doesn't need to change my life. And in fact, I can be super authentic and super genuine and show up and just enjoy the process of, making the podcast and delivering something that feels purpose-driven for the listeners and for me as the host and or you know the part of the trio on these episodes can be an enjoyable process and doesn't have to carry the weight of the world on its shoulders Mm. because my bills are covered you know the job is sustaining me and so for me looking at it with the perspective that it allows me to achieve my dreams in collaboration with these things Mm. and understanding that the dream isn't always the pretty picture that we paint because, you know, whilst somebody, if I said to somebody, next month I'm going to the Gold Coast to do an incredible speaking gig, they'd go, oh, how good's that? And like, God, you make good money for the hour on stage but that's not the reality of it because I'm up at 5am to drive to the airport to park the car to go and sit And wait for two hours and then to get on the plane and to get from the plane to the hotel and then to sleep in a bed that isn't mine without the people around me that I love to go and do a gig and then get back on a plane and fly home. Mm. So the hour on stage is flashy and super exciting, but there's all these things around it that are that third, 90%, 95%, whatever you want to call it, that are a part of you allowing or part of allowing you to enjoy that moment that is really something you want to savor and enjoy and kind of the part of the dream that you pictured. So it's understanding that no matter who you are or where you are, part of life is going to be mundane and challenging. And as Rogan said, as you explained, Ferns, that shouldn't be something to shy away from. Because if everything was just enjoyable and if everything was, I think as you said this morning, Joey, when I shared um, Jimmy Carr's, quote, that he thinks the meaning of life is just to enjoy the passage of time. I think, or I'd like to hope, as you said, Joey, that when he says enjoy, it's just not this hedonistic idea of just everything should be pleasuresome and there shouldn't be any level of discipline or any level of meaning or depth. I know he doesn't mean that because he speaks quite profoundly in the episode that he, he shared that, but just to understand that the passage of time is going to be full of good shit, bad shit, tough shit, stuff that tests you but enjoy it all because brace that yeah that, the like. good has meaning because we also experience the bad mm. you know so i guess that's my my two cents on where my head is at and the idea of dreams and if we talk about goals very quickly i guess that for me i think a lot about the next three year period of my life and i don't think it's from a standpoint of I'm 30 in three years and that's the way I'm thinking of it but I definitely think over the course of three years I'd like to be in a space where I do 40 to 50 speaking gigs a year or gigs as a professional on stage and you know I would love to continue putting out one episode of the podcast a week which feels very sustainable and is so enjoyable for me like I love this this is one of my favorite parts of my life and you know, I'd like to think, and I hope that in three years I'm in a position where Soph and I are you know, hubby and wife and have our first child in the world. So for me, the next three years is really exciting and it's about being optimistic in the pursuit of dreams as we move towards that, but also being realistic in what do I need to be doing to make sure that I can sustainably get there, that the picture is quite healthy. And, and whilst I'm moving towards all that, still be exercising and moving my body and running and you know Mm -hmm. jumping in the water and sustaining incredible relationships with you guys and you know my close inner circle of people that i you know want to have with me for the rest of my life so exciting three years ahead i'm i get fucking super gassed up talking about it
1: well i think you should man because the way that you just rounded that out was was like so perfect because we spoke about the merge between the dreamer and then the reality check. You spoke about having the dream, understanding the means that you need to take in order to be able to sustain that dream. And then you touched on the core values, which we spoke about in episodes previous, being like, I wanna maintain my health. I wanna maintain the connections with the ones I love. Like, That's what we're doing here. We're trying to create this like, this blueprint of how do we move forward healthily as young men. It's let's dream. Let's have some action oriented to, to get us towards these healthy dreams. But then also let's anchor ourselves to the values yeah. that light us up, that make us feel good.
0: How, f- how is it? How cool is it that just, as you said that, like put a smile on my face, that the pods that we've done over the course of the last couple of weeks, without us consciously planning out what, let's say, a, a quote-unquote season of three mates would look like, kind of all really perfectly sums together the kind of men that we're trying to be.
1: absolutely and it's like it almost feels a little bit chronological order it's like Mm. well first you gotta identify your limiting beliefs and then you gotta figure Mm. out your identity crisis and then you gotta go through and figure out what values you have and then now we can from these values create some dreams and aspirations and so i think if we cut like that last 30 seconds of of um of what you just said you could really break that down and i think you did it unconsciously to being like we've got some dreams we've got some values and then we've got some actions to orient to it um and yeah you can like lean on that lean on the values lean on the dream yeah i think it was really beautiful the way that you you rounded it off man maybe the Um, only
0: um thing that wasn't chronological is our first episode was on death (laughs) 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 but maybe that was more about life you know when we really dive into it so If you could get better at one
2: thing that's going to achieve those dreams or one skill set or one mindset perspective, what do you think it would be?
0: That's a great question, Ferns. For me, it's, and I know that a big part of the challenge will be walking into a space in which there's plenty of things outside of my control and... You know, when I, I said this to Sophie the other day, when I look at the last three and a half years of my life, a lot of it has been by design. Like I spend time with the people I want to spend time with. I do the tasks every day that I want to do. I've created this thing that's actually maybe a little bit hedonistic and it's all things that are quite pleasuresome for me. And yeah, I challenge myself and run and do those sort of things, but I really do love it mm. where I'm going to walk into a space where Maybe there is a client on one particular day who's being a little bit more needy than I like or maybe it's a co-worker who's having a shit day and I'm like, oh, that energy's rubbing off on me and, and normally I just go, like I'm stepping away and doing something else. Well, I can't do that because this is the objective in front of us. So I think for me, not being so emotional or emotionally triggered in an environment that's quite uncontrolling, but taking a breath and going, this is part of it. Everything that we're talking about here, the, the values, um, controlling the controllable, choosing how to respond, I guess that stoic way of being and doing is something that I now have to actually take on board. It's not just the philosophy anymore of knowing it. It's putting it into a practice in an environment that's bigger than me. And so that's, I think, gonna be the biggest challenge for me is it's not an environment that I've created anymore. I'm stepping into a place that, you know, structures and and ways of working already exist. And yeah, it's somewhat familiar because I've been there before, but it's not, it's never going to be. Anytime you step into a workplace that you haven't crafted or created, there's going to be things that you don't always think are the right way to do things or the best way, but understanding that it's not all about me, have some empathy for the other people. And, you know, hopefully some of those things come naturally. But yeah, I think just not getting caught up in a bad day. A bad day doesn't mean that you have to have a bad week and also addressing that maybe it's not the part of my life that I've designed right now but why shouldn't I go in there and enjoy every bit of the experience like we spoke about enjoying the process why shouldn't I go in there and go what if this king's back yeah (laughs) why shouldn't I go in there and go that everything that happens inside this space could be a big part of my future you just, just don't know. Yeah, you just don't know. So go in and embrace everything that's happening here, bring your best and try to bring the best out of the people that are with you and hope that they do the same for you and and maybe that leads to really exciting roads that you didn't expect it to lead to. I'm I'm very conscious to the fact that maybe what feels like an opportunity to go back and make some money and, you know, and keep my life sustainable. It's something that I do for the rest of my life and all these things coexist. Mm. Maybe in 10 years' time, I'm still selling real estate, still stepping on stage, still recording a podcast and they're all successful in their own right, but there's no need for one of them to be removed. Maybe it's something I really enjoy Mm. and I believe that I can do that. You know, I know I've got a skill set there and part of the reason I'm stepping back is because it's something I'm, I'm relatively good at, you know, and, you know, I guess that's part of the reason why they're taking me back too, so there's no reason to think why there's no reason to think in the short term either go back and
2: like a all doors open approach
0: a hundred percent and i think that's the way it's got to be and because i know it wasn't like that when i've stepped back in in the past like i mm. said my mindset was like oh i can't be here forever i can't be here yeah. and be happy I said that and
2: before that like triggered when i was racing when i was younger that was my mindset i didn't allow myself to be happy unless i won mm. Mm. and then in a sport where it's similar to like golf or something like that there can only be one winner like, you don't win all the time. Most of the time, I was unhappy and I just burned out. Hmm. Yeah. I think, like, if I went back again and could change my mindset when I was eight years old, I think my outcomes would be totally different, but...
1: And you probably race better as well. Yeah, Because you're like, I'm just... I love racing and I love the, the process of racing and the outcome isn't the uh, metric for my success. And then when you're in that space, man, you're playing. Mm. And then when... If you're in that playful flow state, you're probably going to race like an absolute god.
2: I always felt like stress or pressure to get results and then Mm. you make mistakes and then it's not as fun, but being in that playful state, like when I used to race, like the fastest I was in practice when there was no pressure, Mm. always so quick then, but then when it comes to the race, I was like, all right, I can't make a mistake now, I would never race as good.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say that because I've never thought of this before, but I guess maybe this is something that's more... um, more ingrained in me than i realized but you know growing up I, I like was a sprinter 120 meters and i competed at a bunch of state carnivals and was quite like quite fast as a young kid and i would remember finishing off and won or was you know second or third at these events and i used to be so filthy when i didn't place or win and i remember like sometimes winning a race and looking at some kid who's come dead last and he's smiling. He's thinking, "Fuck, are you smiling for a flogger?" <laughs> oh, look, I couldn't. I couldn't get it. But yeah. it's, maybe he knew something that I didn't—the joy in the pursuit. He hasn't wrapped his whole self-worth up in whether he's, he's the quickest he's dude out there. Laughing at you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's a maybe. It's something I have to be like more the conscious about. Fisherman and the CEO. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for sure. And I think we always—not well, all of us—I'll speak for myself. Sometimes the ego gets in the way of you being able to enjoy it for that, just what it is. That's just you. Yeah, just me. Just yeah. me. It's an individual thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was a great question, Ferns. It's definitely something I've thought about. Yeah, definitely.
1: Joey, awesome, pass man. it over to you. All right, let's uh, wing out, wing our way through this answer. <laughs> I did write some stuff down, guys. I'm not completely um, a fraud. Um, but just as we've been talking, it's it's been interesting. What's come up for me has been this idea of... Um, so we can say we have a dream right so in pursuit of my dream who must i become in order to pursue this dream or or like achieve this dream and i think that's a pretty strong question because if you can get honest about that who must i become to reach that point it's
2: almost the who am i
1: question it's almost the who am i question but there's going to be a lot of things that you'll probably have to question of your dream if it's asking certain things of your moral fabric in order to get there. And we spoke this morning about being a politician. This idea that you could come in, you know, I want to, uh, like, I've got some really honest um, ideas full of integrity and, and like, I'm here for the people and everything I do is coming from a really authentic place. But in order for you to achieve prime ministership or, or presidency... What are you gonna have to? Who are you gonna to have to become in order to get there? You might be a little bit corrupted by greed. You might have to um, sell off a little bit of your integrity and, and make some dodgy deals in order to get your way in and scheme and navigate into a point. And it's almost like, if my dream is to become president, who am I gonna be as a person when I'm a president, or when I'm a prime minister? Am I willing to be that person? And if you're not willing to be that person, then you should probably restructure your dream. So I think. Um, yeah, the idea of like, well, I want to be, if we use your example, Brad, I want to be Australia's top speaker doing 150 gigs, 200 a year. It's like, well, who do I have, who will I need to become as a man in order to achieve that dream? Hmm. Well, I'm going
2: to, I want to be a man that eats chocolate, chocolate chip ice cream every night.
1: (laughs) But it's like, in order for you to become that person and achieve that dream, You would would have to be um, disconnected with most people. You'd have to be ruthless in in your approach to business. You'd have to be unliked in a lot of spheres. You'd have to be probably disingenuine, disingenuine, disingenuous, whatever the word is, in a lot of your stage performances. You'd probably have to um, script a lot of the stuff and take away from the authenticity of your interactions. You probably wouldn't have time to do um, meet and greets or Q&As and impact the people that you really want, but you'd get your 200 shows. Yeah. But as a man, you're now like, man, I'm a shell of the person who I was when I started the pursuit of this dream. I've sold all of that in order to get the dream. So it's who, like, who who must I become in order to achieve this dream?
0: It's the typical is a, is a pretty script pretty interesting the, question. Sorry. Sorry I cut you off there. It's no, a typical right. script of like the coming of age teen movie, right? Where said guy wants to be the football star and get the dream girl and so you know, he's a little bit of a nerd or he's a little bit outside of that reality at the moment. And so he builds himself up to be this person that, you know, gets closer towards it. And all of a sudden he's the quarterback and he's got the dream girl, but everything he sacrificed about himself in the process means that now he's actually a bit of an arsehole. He's the jock, he's the bully. Yeah, the dream girl doesn't like him anymore because he's become everything she despised in the first place. And he doesn't really enjoy the game of football anymore because it's so monotonous and tedious and has taken so much from his original passion and mm. then he kind of reverts back in the end and becomes the hero of the story again but so this is the hero's journey how's yeah it, how's it end well yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. it's that's I, I guess the challenge
1: is not being corrupted by the process yeah not being corrupted by the process not losing yourself in the acquisition of this dream but anyway i digress um the <laughs> idea the idea of, of dream because I've considered myself quite ambitious, always, you know, I've, I've taken these risks um, from, you know, starting my, my own business and freelancing with no real, like, I, I had the graduate position after university, the thing that everyone was chasing, and I had no, um, I guess, indicator that I would be good at filmmaking or I should step out into the space, but I just did it anyway based off of ambition and just off of the, the feeling of like, I'm not really happy in this space, so let me just try this space. And so I've had lots of ambition, but I've never really had a clear-cut dream where it's like, I want to be the top of this, or, or I, have, I have a dream to do this. So I think ambitious, yes. A dreamer, not so much. So I like this exercise because it it helped me kind of think about that. And so I wrote here, as a dream. Um, I have the dream to develop my craft as a filmmaker, um, as an artist. And I don't want it to sound too wankery, but I kind of get fueled by this idea of of like honest artistic expression. And obviously, I do that in the medium of film and video. And so I have the dream of of developing my craft. And, being, and producing film, videos, movies, um, commercials, whatever it might be, that have impact, that have substance, that have meaning behind them. Um, and so the dream for me would be to be in a space where I can use my craft, the skills that I've developed, that I've honed in, the voice that I've created as a filmmaker and produce pieces of art that impact people that are fulfilling for me and ultimately just mean something they're not just you know superfluous things that are, that are being put out into the world um, and so that does look if, if I try to kind of visualize it it does look like larger sets access to big resources like a large crew that I'm collaborating with, but ultimately I'm a director and a DP, which is a director of photography. So ultimately the eyes of the operation, the the cameraman um, responsible for the vision. I, I see myself, yeah, dreaming to be able to access these, the resources to produce these really impactful pieces of art. Um, and so, yeah, in a nutshell, it said develop my craft as a professional and a transferable skill set that allows me the freedom to take this skill with me abroad. So ultimately, having this professional skill set that I can um, utilize overseas, that I, in my skill set, am valuable enough to to be somewhere and still create that art and still create that impact and mm-hmm. still have the ability to you know immortalize a video that could impact someone for years to come Um, and if i think back to some of the projects i've done so far the most meaningful ones haven't been the biggest artists that i've worked with or haven't been the biggest budgets that i've worked with but they've been the narrative behind what we're shooting and one of them in particular um, was for a, a hip hop artist called Kobe D, and the project was called About a Girl. And ultimately, it was this narrative around a domestic violence situation between a young girl and a and a and a abusive partner. And so we, I as the filmmaker, got to create the vision for this story, which Kobe presented in the form of like a rap, and it's it was powerful. And it was confronting and it was a little bit, like, uncomfortable, but it made you feel something. Like, Mm. even watching it at times and credit to um, an actress by the name of Lydia Cavella um, and there's another gentleman called um, Matus who acted in it as well. So, together, we all created this piece of really compelling art, which Ultimately, had to have a trigger warning at the start. It's like, guys, this is going to be a lot for you to view. But I didn't want to make it any less impactful because I enjoyed the fact that it made people feel something, that it made simil- made people who have had experiences resonate with it and be uncomfortable. It made people who had never had that experience go, holy shit. And it was this reflection of a real-life emotion and the energy that we put behind the production—it was only a smaller production, but it just felt really like we 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 did something. You know, mm. it felt really like compelling to to be able to do that. Can I
0: ask when you talk about impact? You know, there's there's impact in a few ways that I see there from the outside looking in. The way that that story impacts you mm. and gives you that feeling of this is meaningful. The impact that your vision has on the artist who lived this story or, or had someone who she knows lived this story, was compelled mm. enough to write about it and create a piece of music around it and then you got to bring that to life for them. Mm. The people who watch and listen post-production who maybe can relate to that experience and have impact, is there impact specifically that you want to have on audience or is it impact on the artists that you work with or is it all of it that means
1: something to you? I'd say, I'd say all of it because you can't have this again. It gets a little bit, um, you get lost in the, in the, in the metric of like how many people did I impact? It's the energy of like being fulfilled by the story or the project first and foremost, then being able to put a little bit of myself into it and then just putting it out into the world and knowing that we had, we did an honest thing. Mm. I guess first and foremost, it's like were we impacted by it? the people who created it, and being comfortable with just that as like wow, we did something self-expression, um, creative, and honest and authentic. And then by design, I feel like that translates and impacts other people. Yeah. So I'm not so much trying to like I really I need to I need to um, I need to make people cry. I need to I need to make people. Um, be shocked or you know I'm not just trying to like count how many people are impacted and how impacted they are mm. but it's just a feeling around doing something and i think that rang true really with the recent um exercise i did with that visual poem that i that i shot by myself and, and published the poem i am and that felt really like fulfilling and impactful for myself because i've got to express honestly i, I I got to put a piece of myself into this small visual poem and I just got to put it out into the world. And I think by design, the whole exercise was to do that without the expectation of having any likes or or people give me pats on the back. Like I had to try to remove that and just put it out. But by design, because I did that honest thing, I think it impacted some people. Some people reached out to me and and gave me kudos and accolades for for it so I think it's just this idea of like if you do something honest and real it will have the energy behind it to impact people um the whole idea of having like a voice as well that I'm trying to craft or like um you know this 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 unique message that I'm trying to put into into the projects as well there was um there's an artist that that you've had a podcast with B-Wise and that I've, I've done a, a bit of work with B-Wise in the past and it was so interesting because he reached out to me it was during the COVID period um, and for the first time ever he reached out to me in order to do a project um, with another awesome African artist called Sampa the Great and um, he said to me I reached out to you because as a young African Australian man ultimately like first generation African. My dad moved to Australia and then the children of that generation of Africans that kind of migrated to Australia consider us like first or second gen Africans. He said, you've got a unique perspective as a young black man. And this song has the spirit of Africa, the spirit of home. And when I was thinking of directors and, and people that I wanted to be on the project, he said, I felt like you were the right fit. And I'd never considered that my experience just being me as a young African Australian man in Australia that does film and has a passion for imparting messages, that that was a valuable voice to have. Mm. And B-Y said, you know, I thought that this was the right fit. You were the right guy for the job because of your experience, because of who you are. And so I think, really trying to cultivate that voice understand the message that I'm trying to send but also understand that I've got a valuable vision a unique um I guess uh a unique voice is a part of me creating this and like having this skill set that I want to be able to use to impact people through my work like very long-winded answer but yeah I love that
0: can I say I love that you said when you referred to that project on the domestic violence video clip and you spoke about that feeling of like we did an honest thing and that comes back to one of your core values of honesty right and you know we said last week that like when it comes to things like honesty or integrity it's kind of hard to measure the the action of that but it's intuitive you know Mm. and you, you said there as well about creating within without the need for pats on the back and I mentioned Marcus Aurelius in the pod before. Something that I've seen and saved on Instagram today is for me, like, feels like so relevant to what you said. It said, fame and desires are not worthy. And this is from his um, meditations. Fame and desires are not worthy, not worth pursuing. When you've done well and another has benefited by it, why, like a fool, do you look for a third thing on top credit for the good deed or a favor in return? And that like doing out of the honesty and the integrity, because you know, that's what will have impact, mm. but you don't need the pat on the back for it. You don't need it to be like the top viewed video on YouTube or, you know, for a million people to message, but you know, you did an honest thing. Mm. That's where the impact almost lies. And, and maybe that's all the impact needs to be. Maybe that's the purpose fulfilled is that this was honest this impacted me and if you know that it impacted you it's fair to say that as a human being who shares a lot of common struggles with other human beings and common feelings it's likely going to hit home for someone else well
1: it's it's basically what we're doing here as well like the idea of vulnerability is what translates through the mic into the camera and out to the people who listen Mm. like there's a stench when people have dishonest intentions and whilst their words or their body language might say one thing there's an an energy around it that you either believe it or you don't it's Mm. either honest or it's not it's either vulnerable or it's closed off and i guess it's like kind of having that vulnerability and the dream would be having the opportunity to work on projects that allow me to have that vulnerability and have something to say like have a message behind them, some substance and and then that vulnerability, that honesty, I guess um, as as you like read in that then, you know that's that's the part. The rest is just whatever. like as long as I embraced the process whilst I was doing it, whilst it was difficult, the set days might have been hard, the locations might have been unideal. I could have the budget might have been nothing. all of these potential like setbacks that could, could make you feel like my job sucks embracing the fact that we're in it this is a process we get to be able to um you know we have the opportunity to create something real here if we just allow ourselves to so the yeah so ultimately that would be the dream um to be working in spaces where i can continue to do that i think also the budget becomes and the size of the
0: project and understanding that the powerful thing for you is impact Becomes less necessary because whether it's a million people or a thousand people that see the work, the impact is all the same. Mm. Like, and whether it's the, I guess for me, the way that I'd relate that, whether it's the gig i done this week where I spoke to 16, 18 year old kids at a school mm. or highly successful CEOs, you know, when you see a 16 year old kid in front of you crying because what you said meant something to them, mm. that feels exactly the same as the CEO crying in fact it's no different maybe it's even more meaningful because that person needed to hear it mm. and so the the budget or the size of the stage or the size of the project becomes completely invalid it's about we did an honest thing I've, oh yeah I love that that's something that's really that's resonated with me what you said
1: and I feel the byproduct byproduct of continually doing the honest thing is that you'll find yourself with the opportunity to impact more people mm. in bigger spaces at a grander scale. But the second you change your priori- priority to, I need to do the bigger thing on a grander scale for more money, you lose the the beauty, yeah. which is the the impact piece, which is I'm here to have meaningful interaction and connection with human beings in whatever medium you choose. Mm. And I trust that the by-product will be these other beautiful things. Yeah. And like, it might not be on my timeline. It might not be how I see it happening. But if I continue to show up in this way, then I think, this is how I think, as, and based off of my life, if you come with that energy, then it's going to be reciprocated. You, It will come back to you. Um, and so, yeah, so... Um, I've actually wrote here as well. So I spoke about wanting to you know, hone this craft and, and have a transferable skill set that I can take abroad with me. The dream to be able to work overseas. Um, I had a conversation with a gentleman on set. Um, he was an, uh, like a little bit older than me. He, he was a father. He had some kids and um, he was a British guy. And he said, and I just said, you know, have you got any advice for a young guy um, in this space? And he said, before you settle down, make sure you travel because when you, you have kids, obviously, like the idea of traveling the world, it just becomes difficult. But the part that struck me, he said, don't ever think that by traveling, you can't also be successful and make money. And so the, what I took from that was the idea that like, I can still, I don't have to travel and put like getting ahead in life on hold. It's not like, well, I traveled, So then I have to come back and spend all my, like I've spent all my savings and I have to start from scratch. Hmm. He's like, you can go overseas, but there's still opportunity for you to make money and succeed and follow your dream just because it's not on your home soil. Don't be like, Hmm. don't be, don't resign to the fact that you can't, that you can be overseas and still make money. And then as I was getting this advice from this man, my mom shared with me that she actually went to uh, like a psychic and she got a reading done and had nothing to do with me at all. But apparently the lady had a message for me through whoever who she was channeling or, or whatnot. And so mum wrote down the message and, and told me that this lady said, you have to deliver this message to your son. And she said basically like, is your son a cinematographer? He works in film and she was like, yes, yes. And whether you believe it or not, it was quite uncanny. But the lady said, you know, this is for your son who is a cinematographer. She said, he needs to go overseas to expand his creative horizons um, and get exposure to other creators to inspire his work. Ultimately, that's what the message came through for this lady. And this Mm -hmm. is at the same time that I'm speaking to this guy from eBay or or from the shoot, we'll have to beat that out, (laughs) Uh, from the shoot talking about, you know, you can go overseas and make money, and then I'm getting this message from a mum psychic, and I'm and I'm in the same space going. I really want to be able to have this skill set that I can take with me wherever I go, and I can see the world, but I can still connect with people and make this beautiful art.
2: And then your yeah, mate Ty is telling you to shoot videos for Drake.
1: And the same at the same yeah, time, yeah. you guys are like saying, "Hey, you can be bigger, and you can pull the trigger, and you can expand." Like, and it's just so interesting that you know when you look for the. I wasn't. It, even fully asking the question but i was getting the answers mm. either way and they were just in front of me so this idea of being able to travel overseas sp- like connect with different human beings different cultures put a piece of me into the work that i'm doing um and have that as potentially as a lifestyle mm. you know um feels like a, like a pretty inspiring dream but at the same time like you were saying it what comes with that it means that i might not really have a base it means that i'm traveling for six to eight months of the year
2: in and out of hotels yeah
1: yeah i'm connecting with so many different people and i'm telling so many beautiful stories but i'm away for birthday parties my i don't Mm -hmm. get to see my little brother growing up like like what does what's it going to ask of me and how
2: let's look at it as a season and not a lifetime commitment
1: yeah and so the idea of the dream to me feels still a little bit medium term like it's not like here's the end goal. It it feels like this is a dream for the next like maybe five to ten years of my life type type yeah. deal. Um, that, that's the hard thing because I've, even as you said that
0: there, maybe this is my, as a mate, me not asking you deep enough questions about where you think your next, well, what you think your next decade or two decades looks like, but
2: everyday question
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's not but i pride myself on the quality of questions i ask right and i don't know as someone who would identify themselves as someone pretty close to you for the last couple of years when i think of joe i think of the joe who's quite grounded in routine consistency and has this super creative side but also like loves the you know being at jujitsu you know going for the run, being in the gym, Monday sauna sessions and recovery mm-hmm. sessions, like that consistency of life too. And so as you said that, I thought, how does that look over the course of the next 10 years where maybe that challenges that? And are you open to the idea of
1: challenging or changing routine? And you have to like, obviously add in the like relationship as well. Yeah. And how that dream sits with my partner Hmm. like so the idea of like am I open to change am I open to I think so I think like you know obviously I love Wollongong and I've I've been in my apartment for 10 years and I I, it's the one thing that I feel like relatively attached to because I'm in such a good spot my lifestyle and my life just works so good right now it's like why rock the boat but it's also like why not rock the boat yeah. why not travel overseas and try and, and have a 3 month expedition in Nepal and have my camera on my hip and see what I can capture and the connections I can make why not um, be on the coast of Italy and and commission a commercial for a local winery that has a little bit of meaning like why like why not it's it's yeah it's this thing 29 years old, with nothing but ambition, opportunity, and and my health. Why not? So mm. I guess
0: if you think about Green Lights, McConaughey's book, there's elements to that. Like you said, Fern's seasonal approach when it comes to his dream too, where he's like, you know, sometimes I'm living in a camper van with my lady and our dog, and mm. you know, I'm shooting you know this movie in this location and in between we're just driving around and then it's like now we feel like we need a bit of a base and you Mm -hmm. know we're going to set up in austin texas and you know now he's got his family and he takes his family with him to do these things and i guess you could maybe say and i guess for some of the viewers listeners you would go well matthew mcconaughey with matthew mcconaughey's money i'm sure he can make many things work and and maybe yes that is the case but i also think that part of being that dreamer is well why can't that work for you too mm. it doesn't mean that you have to do it at that level or for that extreme or for that long but I guess there's every opportunity or possibility that you go and work on a feature film for three months that is really meaningful to you in London and then you're back here for the nine months and you know maybe your partner goes with you for that three months and it's an adventure mm-hmm. for both of you and And then maybe for the next season of your life, you're like, well, for the next two, three years, I'm going to do stuff in Australia so I'm a little bit closer to home. And now there's an opportunity to do that again. I guess it's remembering that we're not always cemented to where we are right now.
1: Yeah, well, like exactly exactly like you've just said and and what Funi said, the idea of like a season, it can be a Mm. season of your life. But like I mentioned before, it's hard for me to hold on to like, I need to be overseas working because what's more important to me is the process. Can I continue to bring myself back to the process? Can I enjoy the, the hardships of like honing my craft and becoming good and then failing and having projects not go the way I want or feeling like I didn't have the impact I, I wanted or can I, can I enjoy and embrace that part? Um, and I think... At the same time, am I the man that I want to be whilst I'm pursuing all of these things? Am I still honest? Am I still um, authentic? Am I living with integrity? Like That's more important to me than the dream, really. Mm. So again, it's like, can I be all of those core values in my work whilst I'm also those core values in my life? Um, And then I guess as a goal, it would look like, and it does look like I actually kind of set myself a little bit of a mini goal um, in order to be in these spaces and have value overseas, I'd have to have to have something to show for it. So a goal of mine now is to produce a catalogue of work that's reflective of my abilities um, and reflective of my skill level, something that I can utilise when I'm abroad. Is that a website or how's that look? Yeah, well, like just a portfolio of... of work so i have about six or seven projects which i've kind of told myself i want to finish by the end of the year and whilst it did feel a little bit ambitious based off of the trajectory of myself projects being so slow in the past it's like so now you want to do six in six months but again i was inspired by the exercise with the im and it's like let's do it why not and then Maybe they don't—they're not perfect, but let me learn from them. And then maybe I don't finish it by the end of the year. But can I just embrace the fact that I'm in the process of figuring it out? And and then when I have, maybe when I have this cohesive piece of work that is like has a signature, has a voice behind it, it's it's by Joe, it's by Soho. You can tell that it's a it's a piece of my work. I can confidently take that with me where I go. Say, here's my voice as joe here's what i can produce professionally i would love to connect with the stories that you're willing to to allow me to work on and mm, so that's sure. that's kind of what it looks like and the goal would be in the process to create the process of having this catalog of work that i can be proud of that it is honest and that is um, a reflection of me
0: maybe you've somewhat already touched on this but what do you think is the biggest challenge
1: in you getting to that place my complacency and procrastination like we've spoken about before it never being ready enough if i i I can imagine myself getting to a point of and this always happens as you do a project you fix the mistakes of that project on your next project so then i'm always going to think oh well like that one's not good enough because the one i just shot's a way better reflection of me and then i'll get to a point where it's like the work's never going to be good enough for me to take with me overseas in my backpack and go, hey, guys, this is me as a cinematographer. Maybe I just have to put get to a point where I say, this is me, and I'm a you know, work in progress, and I'm continually honing my craft and and creating my signature, and this is just has to be it. This is what I'm going with. So instead of procrastinating or having that perfectionism, um... Or having the complacency to even shoot the damn thing, it's yeah. That's probably the only thing that's in my way, really. To be honest when with you. When you
2: said perfectionist, then I was just gonna say, I seen something the other day. It was a perfectionist. Is this a nice way of saying like you have a fear of failure? Yeah, hundred mm-hmm.
1: percent. It's just like no, it's not. It's not good enough for me to put out. It's yeah, not, or it's fear of judgement.
2: Like it sounds so much better to say I'm a perfectionist than I am. Oh, I actually have a fear of yeah. failure. No one says
1: that. I'm such a perfectionist, I won't even
0: try. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is, speaking on that topic, right, because I I feel that with old podcasts. Mm. I'm like, oh, God, me and my first, like, two seasons of the pod, I was far less polished in conversation than I am now. And I, I had this... I would say more fear of judgment that if I was to send out, like sometimes it scares me. So when I see the stats, I can see the like, when I click on my feed, I can see the last couple episodes and the numbers as they move. And then I can see the overall listens of the pod. And when I can see the overall listens like change dramatically, but not the recent episodes, I think, oh God, I hope they're not listening to the first two seasons. Yeah. Like if these are new listeners, but then I'm like, I guess one thing that I've been thinking about lately is as the world moves in a way that feels maybe a little less authentic because of the pressures of social media and people's focus on perfectionism. You know, we spoke about this morning, the idea of that, you know, if you use the metaphor of art, when's a piece of art truly finished? Well, when you decide it is. Mm. Because with perfection being something that will never attain, right it's like well when do you stop like when do you stop brushing the canvas or
2: oh it's never finished it's just abandoned
0: yeah and that that's a great way of putting it and it's embracing the imperfection and embracing that well there's gonna be something that maybe in six months I go, i should have done this or i should have done that maybe i should have chipped away more at that part of the sculpture or put an extra brush of blue on that side of the painting but i think somewhat now in society as we move towards a society that is so heavily motivated by what other people think that there's actually a little bit of beauty in the imperfection Mm. that it's it feels authentic it's real like if you don't stumble across one of your words in the podcast maybe it's not that oh god i stumbled and i spoke so unfluently but maybe it's and that was just a really real moment because you're emotional you're vulnerable you're being authentic it wasn't scripted yeah absolutely and like that i think is something that as humans we're we're gonna embrace and actually appreciate more when we talk about the world of like ai let's not get into that we talk about like artificial intelligence and things like chat gpt writing scripts and writing stories and you know providing articles and newsletters and you know these kinds of things for projects if it becomes so unhuman those human imperfections that are going to become so beautiful and valuable. And valuable.
1: Like to think, Ty, you, you just spent the long weekend camping solo under the night sky. Like that's the most natural thing you can do. We're promoting vulnerable human connection. We're trying to, to create the most natural, honest space we can. It's almost this counter reaction to things becoming so artificial And superficial that yeah I feel it it's like can we be as natural as possible can we get back to being as um, connected as possible and for me I try to do that through my art and whilst I've had the wrestle between going I'll only do projects that give me that feeling again similar to the situation you're in Brad where it's like you can have the dreamer that's like, I will only work on the projects that have impact, that fulfill me, that give me um, a platform to, to use my voice. And I can also never shoot anything because those projects don't come across <laughs> everyone's desk every day. Hmm. So you sometimes have to do projects where you're like, hey, this actually has no substance and it's, and it's, um, this one's to pay the bills. And you feel as an artist, you're like a little bit like, oh like am i operating with integrity because i just shot this commercial for a a, for a bloody soft drink and or something like it's just whatever it is but then you're like oh it's supporting me getting to the space where i can create the projects that have impact yeah and it's just a part like that's just a part of it um so yeah
2: carrying on from what brad said before i also want to apologize for being a shit mate not knowing your 20-year plan (laughs) but i did have a
1: question to pose to you
2: yeah please do what can you do better to put yourself in front of more projects that do inspire you
1: create more projects that inspire me i honestly believe by creating more projects that inspire me which i can do by myself in my garage as we've seen is this like a marketing catalog say again
2: i said you creating more projects by yourself for yourself this like a marking catalog to attract the kind of work that you want
1: oh so yeah so like the actual steps to do it you know much like getting exposure in anything you can you can cold email people here's a project i just did you can take meetings with production companies here's a project i just did you can put it out on social media like all of these avenues to get exposure and and for people to see what you can do and then they come back to you but ultimately the first step of that how do I get more projects that inspire me? I create projects that inspire me with the voice and signature, the signature look that I want. Do so people realize that this is what I'm capable of? And then, oftentimes, people say, "Let's get more of that." So I need to create, and that's why I have this—the goal of creating this catalog, um, because that's how it's been. I was shooting lots and lots of music videos because I was shooting lots and lots of music videos. So you shoot a music video, you release it, then people go, wow, he shoots music videos. And then two more people want music videos. So then I do two more music videos and then you become the guy that's shooting lots of music videos. So if I want to be the guy that's shooting lots of talking head interviews, then I'll shoot lots of talking head interviews and that's what will come my way. Um, So I think it's it's just that. Maybe taking a a little bit of a, um, I guess like a pay cut Whilst I create my um, the momentum around the type of f- films that I can create and saying no to some of the jobs that take me away from being able to create these ones, it's like saying no, that job isn't aligning with the voice that I have for my films so that I can create more of what I want. And then slowly the tides will turn and then you become the guy that's not getting asked to do these things because you're known for this thing. Speaking that's how that. I see it
2: speaking of green lights it's quite similar to what matthew mcconaughey did i think he was the rom-com guy yeah and he didn't want to be that anymore yeah so he said no to everything 10 million 14 million dollar deals just so that he could showcase his true passion of being an actor of all kinds
1: and that's the thing it's like um becomes difficult because if money becomes an issue or a project gets waved across your desk and it's got a big budget and you're like, Ooh, but it's not actually thing. I it's not actually anything I care about. But the money, it's an age old thing. It's like, thanks, Canva. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to take the dosh and then prolong doing the work that you really want to do? Before you know it, you haven't done the work you really want to do. Yeah. And you're just in this in this like um, this wheel of like, oh no, I'll do my stuff one day, one day, one day, and then you never do your stuff. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I love it this
0: feels like a really meaningful conversation i think it whether you as a listener viewer realize that you probably think more about your dreams than you realize you think more about the future than you realize and and i think the message of today for me has been in planning for the future and setting goals and having dreams that we've painted pictures of in our imagination not forgetting that the adventure, the process, the day-to-day, the present is the really meaningful, enjoyable part of that. You know, becoming the human being that you need to be to get closer to those dreams or goals is the really meaningful part of that picture. And so I'd encourage anyone to be a dreamer. I'd encourage anyone to be a dreamer, but don't forget that in being a dreamer and pursuing dreams that you need to take action.
1: Absolutely. I think um, just in closing as well, I think we need to acknowledge that it's actually quite difficult for a lot of people to dream, like I touched on it before. But a lot of experiences for people give them a, a pretty grim outlook on life and the world. And the idea of dreaming only to have your dreams shut down or the idea of um, you know going after something only to not get it, It's just easier not to dream, but I would implore people to have the courage, even by yourself, to try to touch in and check in hypothetically. You don't have to do anything, but think about it. Maybe even just write it down if you've got the courage, but just write what your dream looks like in a little bit of detail and see how it feels. Um, Give yourself permission to dream Give yourself permission to reach further than what seems maybe possible for your current experience and yeah, lean into the dream because like, like Foonie said at the start of the episode, a a dream that aligns with you is magnetic and it can pull you towards it. Um, And that's a really cool feeling when you feel like you're, you're being pulled in the right direction and yeah, I'd implore people just to have a little bit of courage to dream, especially if their circumstance seems so far from the dream right now. Um, give yourself permission to get still, get quiet, and and yeah, really try to, to lean into your dream if you can.
2: <laughs> I'll summarise what Joey said in two words. Send it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like it. I want to say quickly something that I journal in my phone, which feels very um, synced with send it and that lovely piece that we heard from you yeah, that and that, whatever
1: that whatever that guy said
0: um is something that i just wrote down about dreams you guys heard, the that, dog, you
1: guys heard that joke about those dogs <laughs> last week you're such a good friend joe you guys heard that thing about those dogs <laughs> um anyways this is what i've written
0: everything is a dream before it becomes a reality society can be cruel to dreamers but if you're bold enough to believe in your dreams more than you care for the whispers of the small-minded man, your reality will be your reward for unwavering faith in the power of your dreams. So dare to dream big. I guess that's just a reminder. When for did me. you write that? Um, just yesterday. Oh, I nice. Just, I love uh, that. Sensitive. That's
1: basically in a nutshell what I was trying to say.
0: Yeah, I think and you know, it can be hard for people when you know not everyone around you always believes in your dreams and nor should they believe in your dreams the way that you do. Um, you have to have that self-belief and it takes courage as you said to have self-belief and so yeah I guess a thank you for listening to the episode thank you for tuning into these conversations consistently for me in the most selfish way possible this is so self-serving for me because I get so much from these chats and you know I can only hope that as an audience you guys get something from it too so a thank you to my two co-hosts Um, my two great mates appreciate you guys appreciate the the ability the vulnerability to have these conversations and to catch up and you know record it for the the very good people who tune in
1: absolute pleasure
0: thank you guys dream big and send it (laughs) we'll see you soon (laughs) thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of a lot to talk about it means the world that you guys are in my corner that you continue to listen to the show every week and if you could do me a massive favour by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow the more the show grows the bigger the guests we get on the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys the listeners the viewers of the show before i go i want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history and storytelling and as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning in to A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.